Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. That is... Ronaldo? I, honestly, that drawn's so bad. Uh, is, that Barack, <laughs> is that Barack Obama on the back of your T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Episode 254 of 20 Minute Tims. This is the flagship edition, and I am joined, as always, by Stephen. Hello. And Melly. Yes. And I'm your host, Jamie. And guys, we have came into week six of the Celtic manager hunt. Still <laughs> no managers in place. We've got conflicting reports already about Eddie Howe's intentions. Essentially, they all add up to the same thing, though. Celtic don't have a manager. Uh, Eddie Howe's obviously still in the frame. He is the bookie's favourite. He's the centre of reports. We've had chat in the papers about him having a private meeting with Dermot Desmond and Peter Law. But it depends really who you listen to. The jungle drums are beaten, guys. There's, a, there's some word on the street. One, the little angel on my shoulder has been telling us things in this podcast along the lines of, look, it's all fine. Celtic are confident they're going to land their man. There's a few wee niggles to work out. Uh, and those niggles revolve around the director of football position. That's that's what I've heard. There are other people, the little devil on my shoulder, has said to me, look, Eddie Howe's agent has been really cute here. Yes, they've met Celtic, but the deal is nowhere near close. In fact, there's a suspicion that he's wanting employment going into the summer. He wants to be in a managerial position at the beginning of the next season. And what his agent is doing is maybe using Celtic to smoke out other offers to say, look, this guy's hot property and he'll be gone soon if you don't get your finger out and offer him a contract, Crystal Palace. Should Celtic be moving on from this situation, Stephen? Because we've got a lot, a lot of work to get on with. Oh, there sure is. There's, there's an awful lot of work to be done between now and the beginning of next season, which is probably just around the corner. You know what these are like? They seem to be getting earlier and earlier every season, mm. the qualifiers and all that. Moving on, I'm not quite at that stage yet. Um, I wouldn't say I'm worried about it, but I'm mildly concerned that there doesn't seem to be any movement on this whatsoever. Not just that, because it, it's not like it has gone from rumour and has stayed at rumour the entire time and we're all just kind of getting a wee bit fed up with it. We've gone from a period of it being almost a done deal about two weeks ago, it feels like now, mm. only for it nothing to happen. So there was an awful lot of smoke around for there to be no fire, but nothing's happened. So I'm a wee, a wee bit kind of mildly concerned that things aren't moving as quickly as I'd like them to. I do appreciate that these things do take time. They're not as quickly as we'd like them to be and it's not just a case of pressing a button and Eddie Hill will be announced as the new manager. Hmm. Even Neil Lennon 
didn't accept the job he was offered at first. He went away on holiday. Remember, he came back yeah. and, and, and accepted it. So Should even that, even that, the guy would didn't want, he even took longer than, <laughs> yeah. than yeah. I should have done. So I, I appreciate that, you know, it, these things do take time. We're all in a bit of a, bit of a bind here though, because I feel like, say, put, put ourselves back two weeks ago, mm. where, and it had maybe been Enzo Maresca, who's another name that's been hotly linked with it. Say it had been Enzo Maresca who'd been announced as almost a done deal. I think a lot of people, including myself, would have been like, right, okay, I'm on board with that. Would have mm. preferred Eddie Howe, but I can get on board with that. The trouble is, I was on this podcast just a week ago saying Eddie Howe is the number one guy. He's the best appointment we could possibly make because I don't want to hear about Rafa Benitez. If, if we now get to the point where Eddie Howe isn't going to be the manager, everything else is going to be a bit of a climb down from that. And that's not a good foot to be starting off with as, as a Celtic manager, as Neil Lennon just found out when he wasn't everyone's preference. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a difficult one for the Celtic board if Eddie Howe does turn the job down, Melly, because it's going to be clear that whoever they appoint isn't going to be their number one target. But they absolutely will come out and say this guy was our number one target all yeah. along. Um, if I had a hunch here, I would suggest that this, the Eddie Howe ship has sailed. I don't think Eddie mm. Howe's going to be Celtic manager. That, that, that's just based on what I'm hearing. But I made, try to make it clear at the beginning, I'm hearing a lot of different things. But if I had to hedge my bets based on who's telling me what, I would maybe. Just as a punt for me, say that Eddie Howe's maybe not happening. The the rumours appear to be that he's got a bit of an issue with how the how the not the backroom staff's going to be made up, but a bit of an issue with the the club hierarchy. What the director of football is going to look like? I think it's pretty clear. As reported, he wants his own man in, Richard Hughes. I think Celtic have identified Fergal Harkin, and that seems to be a bit of a bone of contention. There's also a bit of contention about how much or how little certain historical figures at Celtic Park might be playing in the new regime, even though they've reportedly stepped down, and who's going to make up the shortfall, and blah, 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 how that's all going to look, and he, he just wants assurances over that, but I merely feel that Eddie Howe's probably not going to be the Celtic manager next season. Should Celtic make the decision, though, should Celtic take control of this situation, as a lot of people are saying, and go, right, okay, Eddie, look, we've got a job to do, you think about it, but while you're thinking, we're going to keep looking. I think they've done that anyway. It seems to be Celtic have spoken to a number of people and sounded out a number of people, but Eddie Howe maybe, maybe crept up as a number one choice. So I think Celtic will do that. They're not. I don't think they're putting their eggs all in the, the Eddie Howe basket. But I'm I'm still quite hopeful of come. I think with these things they do take time, and with Celtic having such a a big change around with Dominic Mackay, he doesn't start till a week till today. Today, so it would make sense maybe next week for the manager to be announced or more movement on the manager front. Then once he's in the door, because you can't really announce it, but then announce him a week later. So maybe that's one of the things. And one of the things I was thinking about is if Eddie Howe does want Richard Hughes in. Richard Hughes has currently got a job at Bournemouth where they are in the playoffs, going for promotion right now. So. Are Bournemouth going to be easy to go, do you know what, just take our guy then out, we'll take that distraction where we're trying to get into the Premier League, they're either going to be in the Championship next year or be in the Premier League, so they'll be needing to prepare for that, so they'll be wanting to keep their man, so maybe that's one of the hold-ups, maybe that's just me just hopeful it's going to be Eddie Howe because he has my number one choice. If it was my show, I'd probably go for Richard Hughes over Fergal Harkin anyway. I think Richard Hughes is more established in the director of football role. He'll have a track record, better contacts. Bournemouth's recruitment at the lower end of the price range was much better. So I think he's a, a strong contender for the role anyway. I think Celtic need a long-term approach, but at the same time, if you get handed me Eddie Howe and his man or Fergal Harkin and his man, I'm picking Eddie Howe and his man every time. Should they, but this is the question, I suppose. Should Eddie Howe 
be able to effectively pick his own boss, Stephen. A, a no. lot of people, a lot of people are looking at it like that. They would go, look, I want to come in, but I want to have the director of football as, as my guy. Well, no, no, because that's that's potentially leaving Celtic back to square one if both of them up and leave in two years' time. That's what happened with Brendan Rodgers. He took everyone with him. So if he takes his guy with him, it, it leaves us having a very similar summer to we're facing just now, where we're having to basically appoint everything in the one mm. go. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I said I was being a bit of a hypocrite with that because Eddie Howe is the guy I want, so I'm willing to kind of look past that. But the longer things take, the the more I'm being, I'm trying to be sensible about it. Don't get me wrong, if if that's the environment that Eddie Howe needs to best to do his job at Celtic, then I suppose allowances might need, be, need to be made for that. Mm. But on the surface of it, no, it's not exactly an ideal an ideal proposal I mean it is something I have seen a lot of online about this I, I don't really mind I, Stephen I don't mind Eddie Howe picking his own boss because it, they, they need to work closely they need to work together and ultimately yeah. it won't be the director of football who who sacks the manager it'll probably be the CEO in any circumstance you know that decision will be made high, higher up or the decision will become eminently obvious that the manager needs to go so if Eddie Howe has a terrible job he's not going to have to get his old best pal in his office sorry Eddie we have to go that's the old team in the scrap beat, mate you, need, you know he's not going to it's, it's not really how it's, it's going to really pan out that way well, Jamie, um, we've seen how it panned out this season so I wouldn't be too sure of that yeah I suppose you want to try and avoid the old pals act a wee but I just think it would I don't think it would necessarily harm Celtic to let Eddie Howe suggest uh, a director of football and have him work with him but as I said I think the, the, the ship has sailed a wee bit for Eddie Howe well, if Eddie Howe can demonstrate to the Celtic board and the incoming CEO that that is a good appointment, then fine. That, that's absolutely fine. Like if, as long as everyone agrees upon it, as long as he's not at the point where he's foisting his own guy on the Celtic board, but that, that doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be a case where Eddie Howe strongly suggests this guy, they look into him, bring him in, and that and that's absolutely fine. It doesn't have to be, oh, well, we want our guy, so we're unwilling to listen. It's a brand new role. So I'd, it's not like he's replacing anyone. So I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd be up for that. I mean, if Eddie Howe needs his own guy, then yes, I think I'm on board with it. However, there's no getting away from it. It's not ideal. I don't think it's ideal, Eddie Howe bringing his own guy in. And the way it should work is it's Celtic appointing that guy and then he works with Eddie Howe. But neither is happening at the moment. We're, we're merely speculating. I'm still hopeful that Eddie Hill get in, but I'm still hopeful that Celtic can get the best of both worlds here as well. Richard Hughes is a sort of head of recruitment and Celtic could really do with that right now. And I think they could do a director of football as well. There's plenty of teams out there. I spoke about Man United last week or whenever. They've just got a sort of sporting director and a head of football operations. So there's ways around it. And even like teams like Leicester, they've got Lee Congerton and they've got a head of recruitment as well. So they could get both in if uh, Eddie Howe is willing to work under that. It's just, it's one of these things where you don't know until everybody's in place. It's funny I hear you what you're saying, Melly. Mm. I hear what you're saying. Bring in Lee Congerton is the no. message to take away from that. It's funny. It's interesting what you're saying about Leicester because I was reading that Brendan Rodgers actually attributed a lot of the success he has and is having at Leicester to the fact that he got in early. The fact that he got in before that transfer window and had a right good look at his squad. And I think that's something else that Celtic maybe need to be looking to. If Eddie Howe's saying, look, I don't want to start a job into the summer. I'm not, again, back to the conversation, the argument we had a couple of weeks ago, the more I think about it, I'm like, even though the summer's fast approaching, I don't think it would necessarily harm Eddie Howe or any manager to come in next week and have a right good look at this squad. And it gives them an opportunity to decide. Because if you think if someone comes in, they might not be inclined to keep a lax out 
you know, in the summer, they want, do you want to get that guy Laxal back? But maybe after a couple of weeks looking at him, they think, do you know what? I can really, I can really work with Laxal. The scouting reports you're giving me compared to what I'm actually seeing on the training field every week, suggesting me that I could maybe work with this guy. And I think the time is time is a ticking a wee bit. And I know Eddie Howe has said that he doesn't want to start to the summer. Again, this is something I think maybe might not might not be the strongest approach. I disagree with that. I don't think many managers are going to get much benefit from working with these players. The amount of turnover there's going to be in the summer, what's he going to get from working with Laxalt, Kenny, Brown, Edward, Ayer? Pretty much nothing because they're all going to be away. And Aye, but what about the ones that are here? This is, this know, is, but, what about the ones that are here? He might say, "Look, I've got James Forrest, but he doesn't fit in the way I want to play." Or I've got Greg Taylor. I'm going to need a new left back. Or it could be vice versa. It could be Greg Taylor moves on and the manager comes in and Greg Taylor's away in two weeks and goes, "I actually quite like that guy. I wish he was." You know, there's no harm in having a manager or the new manager working with the current squad to see what he does and what if the manager goes and you know there's a bit of indecision about what they want to do with the likes of Laxalt or, or Ayer's got a contract on the table but he's waiting to see who the manager is and the guy goes look I want to work with this guy Ayer can we maybe push the boat out a wee bit and make sure we keep him I think there's there is a lot of benefits to getting a guy in just now and I don't think just because some players are leaving it negates the whole experiment It does negate the whole experiment but there's only what a month left of the league season and five weeks if we get to the Scottish Cup final. So what's a ma- has there ever been a manager that's came in with a month left in the season and thought, do you know what, I'm going to get everything started? It just doesn't happen. And I, I don't see the benefits of getting a style in place and teaching players how to play a certain way and then nine, ten of them go and you need to start again. I don't think any high-level manager is going to want to come into that. He'll be able to watch games, he'll be able to get reports and all the stuff he needs to know from me. Yeah, no, well, but I just, when Brendan Rodgers came in, he, he pretended he'd watched every single goal from the, yeah. the previous two seasons or something like that. I mean, I do you know what? Well he probably that. did. He probably yeah, did. But I, Brendan Rodgers is the example I bring up because Eddie Howe is... February, but... I know, but what I'm saying is there's benefits to an early start. And if Eddie Howe's saying, well, I don't want to start early under any circumstances, I, w- I would maybe be looking at him going, really? Do you hold it that in, in such high regard this it's summer start? the 1st of June, but it's like a week after the season finishes. It's not a big deal for me. The reason I bring up Brendan Rodgers is because when he, it's not, I'm not using the example of him going to Leicester because he did do that early, but he came to Celtic and he was fully prepared anyway. He came into Celtic saying that he'd watched a load of film on the previous couple of seasons and, and was prepared to take over the team. I think there's, there's ways and means, well, it might not be as practical as being on the training ground with him. I think there's plenty of ways and plenty of info you can gather on players that you don't have to actually take the job. Mm. I, I really don't see the point in him taking on the job at the moment just to see what the players are like in person and then going through a series of meaningless games or potentially coming in the day after a game against Rangers and we've got a cup to, to play out. I just, I don't really, I'm not desperate for anyone to come in at this moment. It would have been ideal months ago, but mm. at, at this point, I think the kind of horses bolted on that and we're in the situation we're in, ideally or not, far from it, but... I think we just we just need to kind of wait and unfortunately, I mean, look, the, 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 look, the horse has bolted, you're right, and yeah. we aren't in dire need of a manager. But there's no real clamour because GFK is in the dugout. Do you know what the F and GFK stands for? John Kennedy's middle name, Physique. You seen the guns <laughs> on the boy, John Physique Kennedy? That's what GFK means. Jesus Christ, man, <laughs> um, he's he's doing a decent job. In fact, he's doing better than a decent job. He just highest melee, highest scoring winner of the, the domestic season. Yeah, Saturday was was great. It was like watching Celtic from 
pastimes. I enjoyed watching the game. I was sitting there, this is good. This is good. We won 6 0, but I, I don't like when people say it could have been 6, 7, 8, 9 because well, it doesn't really work that. But genuinely, it could have been an absolute pace in Livingston took apart from their goalkeeper, was their best player. He made a string yeah. of cracking saves. And do you know what? It was 6 0, but it wasn't one of those 6 0 where you think, oh, just better players and Livingston collapsed. Celtic played really well. They played great football and it was so enjoyable to watch. They looked like it's sort of been coming with the Celtic under Kennedy. They look like they're going to blow a team away. Maybe thought it would be Falkirk last week, but this week Livingston. I was delighted to see it because it looked it looked like Celtic knew what they were doing. Celtic to me, Stephen, at the weekend they look like a team that are back enjoying training, back enjoying playing mm, football. Yeah. They look as if they much prefer playing in this four two three one. James Ford, everything just looks a lot more positive. It's almost, I know this is very, very premature, but I'm going to say it anyway, because, you know, some of my pronouncements on this podcast have been absolute dog water. So this is going to be no difference. Um, it's almost like the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months didn't happen watching that Celtic team. That was like watching Celtic from the tail end of last season. Yeah, yeah. And things like the words both of you are using just now, like what, enjoyment and positive. Oh. <laughs> like to, and dog water, yeah. Yeah. Uh, these words are quite are quite important when talking or, or are key when talking about this performance because for a change, it was actually quite fun to watch. It was quite enjoyable to sit down and watch a Celtic game. And yes, yeah, I take a, I take on board that it's not all that meaningful in the grand scheme of things. But really, in a season like this, that's all we're after here. It's mm. just to not dread sitting down to watch a Celtic game. And that's exactly what we got. It was a it was a thoroughly decent afternoon's work, I thought, against Livingston. Very enjoyable indeed. But let's not forget, Livingston, yes, they're not the greatest team in the world and they can be a bit, well, very brutal to watch at times, but massive bogey team for Celtic in the last yeah, three years. Yeah. That's, that's now 10 times we've played them in the last three years. We've only beat them four times, including that at the weekend. So we've not been in the greatest of form against them for quite some time and they've taken some points off Celtic so to go there and just pretty much sweep them aside wasn't nothing and you saw how annoyed David Martindale was oh, shrieking glorious. away on the side oh, of the glorious. pitch and he after the game he, he described it as the worst performance he's seen in his seven years at the football club you know somebody's annoyed when they describe it as the football club as yeah. well so he was he was annoyed with that so it's being a, a Livingston team who have managed to get into the top six this season, 6-0, that, that's it's not to be sneezed at, as they say. It was a, a very good performance and very entertaining along with it. And how many times can you honestly say that for this season? I know. It was, I really, really enjoyed it. It was a fun performance. Maybe the F and John Kennedy stands for fun. Maybe fun is his middle name, really. <laughs> fun is <laughs> Fun Kennedy, jeez. No, not fun Kennedy. It was good. <laughs> look, Funzo's really, he's, no. he's got a plan going into the game, doesn't he? It doesn't look like Celtic were early in the season. I mean, you spoke about it on the match reaction, Jamie. Celtic aren't passive. There's players making runs off. There's players breaking lines. There's not a player on the pitch you could say, oh, he was poor the day or he didn't look like he knew what he was doing. Everybody seemed to know what they're doing. And the most pleasing aspect of it for me was when we get into that final third, we look like we know what we're trying to do. Mm. There's bits and pieces where you say, oh, I can see why that didn't work. There was one where Greg Taylor got to the byline and cut it back for Cal McGregor coming in, but the space was opened up for Cal McGregor because Odson Edwards stretched the game and went right into the six-yard box. Now, previous to that, maybe Odson Edwards drops off and tries to get involved in a bit more play, but it looked like all the players knew what they were doing, knew where they should be when scenario A happens, when scenario B happens, and Celtic just ripped them apart. The amount of passes that took a player out or... 
El Yunusi makes a run beyond that opens up space for somebody else or somebody makes a run and Cal McGregor goes into the space. It was great to watch. Well, I prefer this this four two three one that we've been playing. I think the diamond was getting a wee bit tired. I think that front four kind of of Turnbull and Forrest and El Yunusi and Odson Edward are really, really dangerous. I thought a lot of the transitions were a lot quicker, a lot sharper. There was a lot more running off the ball, I noticed in this game as well. Yeah, it's, all a, it's the four best players you'd pick. If everybody was available there, it'd be the four you'd pick and they're all playing in their preferred positions. And it, James Forrest being back, it does really give the team more balance. The the diamond, it works to a point, but if you don't have flying fullbacks, which we don't, you sort of mm. lose a bit of width. But with this, we've, it gives us the more balance because James Forrest provides the width. El Yunusi gets into dangerous positions. Odson Edward might be look a bit better with a partner sometimes, so maybe when El Yunus is close to him, it helps him out. And David Turnbull in that number 10, really that's his best position. So I can see why everybody just felt more natural and look, the team just looked as if everybody knew what they're doing, making space for each other, making runs off the ball, and we ripped them apart. And look, Livingston, as Stephen said, they're a bogey team for us, but you don't ever hear a Livingston getting absolutely pumped. They're a no. decent team, they're stodgy, they try and... Uh, keep things tight but Celtic absolutely destroyed them and it was amazing it's just it feels like the season started we beat Hamilton 5-1 and now we've got this 6-0 game and you go what the hell happened in the middle there that Celtic have been so bad I know I was trying to think about if this was the best performance of the season I was like oh so many mm-hmm. uh, so <laughs> many to choose from what were they again uh, Hibs was alright about 6 months ago and then, then it was just a blur just a grey sludgy well, you blur you could have that 20 minutes then. against AC Milan or you could have the yes. Lille game I suppose oh yeah you could course, maybe have that, that. that I, th- I think it's probably a toss up between this and Lille really the mm. two games but they are so so far apart I think over his tenure has John Kennedy's team, Celtic team, been better than Neil Lennon's Celtic team? If you just look at that, a one hundred percent of of the time. I know John Kennedy's played far less games, so he's had fewer opportunities to get willied. But just looking at how he's, but if you look at what John Kennedy took over, I know I know people are going to get their hackles up, going, "Oh, Jamie wants John Kennedy to be the Celtic manager." Blah blah blah. I've not decided on that yet. But all I'm saying is. If you look at what John Kennedy took over, how low this team have been, how badly they were performing, how what, what the atmosphere must have been like behind the scenes, to get them performing to that standard that we saw against Livy the other day, it's all been incremental improvements. It's been like the work's been... You could sort of tell that the work on the training ground has been put in. It's been repetition, 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 back to doing what they used to do, reminding them that we're a winning team, and it kind of all seemed to come together. In that Livingston game, I think he's doing a really good job. I, I honestly couldn't really ask much more for John Kennedy. He's a, what, an assistant manager who's come in to stand in after the absolute disaster that's already unfolded. He's steadied the ship and it's a saying we hate because it always reminds us of Rangers want water him, but he has done that and it's it's not anything mind-blowing that he's done. He's just maybe reminded the players that they are good players, got them doing what they should be doing because we've seen so many times it just looked like everybody was out playing for themselves whereas it's sort of scaled back now and Celtic are controlling games more and we've got the better players so that should be it. Celtic should be looking to control games and make incisive passes, make incisive runs when when they're there. Not just everybody out for themselves, like Ryan Christie doing what he wants, Odson Edward doing what he wants. Clear instructions, and it's starting to show on the pitch, because yes, he's only had five games, one against Rangers, but we should have won that. We've only conceded one goal, and we don't look like we're going to concede a lot of goals in these games. It's a small sample size, yes, but Celtic look like they've got a plan, they look like they're going to control games, and it's much better the 
The defensive frailties haven't been there as much. We've had one against Rangers, but that was just somebody letting their man go. In other games, we don't look like conceding goals, and that is a massive upgrade on the start of the season. Yeah, it is massive to not be conceding these goals because yes, you said there is a small sample size, but the problem is prior to John Kennedy taking over, the likelihood in every single game was that we were going to concede at least one goal, yeah. at least one, maybe two. I would never have backed Celtic mm. to have any clean sheets between now and the rest of the season. To So to take that team that was a, a disaster all season and make them all right, Admittedly, the pressure is somewhat off, right? I, I know that. I, I know there's nothing left to play for in the league. Although, clinch second in this game, guys. Ooh, That's oh, something, something yep. to celebrate. Did clinch the old second, so we're what definitely we going to be in the points, Champions League qualifier. So what have we cut that gap down to now? Is it just, just the 20 points, aye? <laughs> yep, and ever closer. Oh, wow. 20 it was a couple of weeks ago, and we've right on their coattails breathing at 20. Down their, breathing down their necks. <laughs> Even that goal difference right down. That's it. Now, um, look, I gave John Kennedy credit recently for... The fact that he was just dealing with what he had to work with. There's, I said there's no way if he was given his own management job, his first thought would be, I'm going to play a 4-4-2 diamond with James Forrest up front or Moe Wienussi up front or anything like that. There's no way in better circumstances he would choose to do that. So I gave him credit for at least being able to cobble that together and work with what he's got. It's the same stuff we were giving Neil Lennon credit for as well when he took over. The circumstances are somewhat similar. They both took over in February and Neil Lennon got an awful lot of credit for being able to just get Celtic over the line. So in a way, John Kennedy deserves credit for taking a terrible, terrible team and making them all right. Yeah. So that, that might be all he's done, but it's something that, that has been achieved with this absolute disaster of a season. You're right, it's not like mind-blowing. We're not, we're not suddenly the greatest team in the world again. We're, we're not the Invincibles again. But we, in recent weeks, have looked uh, entertaining and relatively solid team to watch and that's you know that that's about all we can expect and, and it just goes to show you John Kennedy might not be doing anything massively different from what Neil Lennon's doing and I would love you know if someone to put that question to him, what are you doing differently to what was done before because if the answer's not very much then it just goes to show you that all you need to do is change your manager because you don't need to change yeah, yeah, you don't yeah, need no. to change an awful lot you just need to augment the personalities involved to, to maybe put it a bit more politely and, and if that's all that's happened if all we've done is just take out one leader that wasn't working and installed another one who's using the same methods or very similar methods then then that to me tells its own story Melly what was your pick of the See, be honest Jamie I'm oh, sorry to jump in there see before we move on Jamie that what you've described there it's just football yeah, that, yeah. that's football that's a hundred years of football you've just described that's what happens for whatever reason and I'm not going to drag us back down that alley again but for whatever reason Celtic decide to buck everything that we know about managerial changes and stick with it. And that's what happened. Now we're seeing how it could have been, maybe. But what you've described, there is nothing revolutionary at all. It's just the case of taking out what is categorically not working and starting again. See for see other people at the time who said, you can't get rid of Neil Lennon because it will just be a disaster because we'll go off the rails and we won't even clinch second. It clearly wasn't the case. Mm. You know, a few weeks on and we're absolutely fine. We're, to yeah. we're totally fine. Yeah, we're fine. So <laughs> You're right, aye. Yeah, aye. That, that's it. So the, all, the, all the absolute catastrophes that everyone worries about from time to time, and I'm guilty of it as well. Every football fan is. That's well, part of the game. You do need to weigh these things up. Fan. You know, you yeah, do need yeah. to weigh them up because John Kennedy was an unknown quantity before he took the job on. It could have been a disaster. It just turns out that it's not been a disaster. Yeah, yeah. But it's we. I think we, as football fans just kind of worry about things like that a wee bit too much <laughs> I was thinking about this uh, over the weekend there when West Ham won again and they beat Brendan Rodgers Leicester and their 
and still in the Champions League spots. Do you remember? Do you remember back then when we were talking about David Moyes for the job and everybody was like, "No, nah, that'll be a total disaster. He's obviously not good enough to <laughs> manage." It's like sometimes we just we're guilty of being like, "Oh, no, you can't do that. It'll be a disaster." And then it clearly wouldn't have been. The guy's obviously a very good manager, but. No, who's to know? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, let me ask that. you a question, right? I wasn't, I wasn't going to ask this in the podcast. We've kind of stumbled across something here that, that I've just been thinking about. That I didn't. It's not on the agenda for the podcast, but I've been thinking about it. Um, I can get this on. We've rambled down a dead end. We have, but we'll, we'll reverse out of it somehow. That's this what, that's Ben Lonnie will reverse out of this conversation. Cul-de-sac, no problem. Um, <laughs> the Celtic need a David Moyes. The Celtic need an Eddie Howe. Could Celtic, with a really competent, strong backroom staff, a team of excellent coaches, excellent data analysts, or data analysts rather, excellent people on the board and in the football operations department. Does the head coach role need to be filled by a name? Could it be filled by someone who's qualified and experienced in football, but not necessarily been a head coach in his own right? Could could John Kennedy, in theory, fill that role? Now, let's take the optics out of it. Let's take the PR out of it. Let's take the disaster yeah. that was this season out of it. You would have to, yeah. in order to discuss the point. Say yeah. Neil Lennon won the league and retired, or Neil Lennon got another job, or any Celtic man, and John Kennedy came in and is performing the way he's performing. Could Celtic get by with a John Kennedy? And when I say get by, could Celtic excel with John Kennedy? Because this is... Mm. But, I mean, it could be an addition. It, now, I know the fans are really against it and people don't want don't want them anywhere near it, but what if he beats Rangers next week? What if he wins all the remaining games? What if he starts hammering teams 4 and 5 now? People are going to have to look at it and go, maybe we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. It depends who John Kennedy's getting the gig ahead of. If it's Eddie Howard, John Kennedy, it's going to be Eddie Howe. Yep. If it's Maresca... Maybe Maresca. If it's Roy Keane, it's definitely John Kennedy. So it depends who he's up against. And but he's not doing himself any harm here. But it's five games in. He's had one game against Rangers, which we possibly could have won. We'll need to give him the last, what is it, four games left in the league and possibly one or more in the cup. He's got two games at Ibrook, so it'll be a better sample size yeah. to judge him by after that because those are the big games. And we've seen in John Kennedy, yes, he has... He has got Celtic improved, but his in-game management has been poor sometimes as well. Substitutions have been baffling since he came in in some of the games, the same as Neil Lennon. So I think you take away this season, yes, maybe John Kennedy gets a job, but you can't do that because as fans, we will remember, despite being fickle, we will remember these things. And if John Kennedy's given the job, it's only going to take one or two bad results for fans to completely turn on him. Now, what you're saying, Jamie, is about if we have everything in place, John Kennedy could be a good manager. The problem is we don't, and Celtic need to get that mm. and then well, get John Kennedy. Sorry, mate. I don't think it'll work him going into that, but I think it would need to be Celtic need to get that and then maybe I th I think after this manager, John Kennedy could take mm. over. I don't think it's going to work right now because we need to get everything right. I think you're doing what a lot of people do and focus too much on the order of appointments. You know, the, the decisions will have already been made about what this is going to look like in the next couple of weeks. It's just a case of getting the people, getting their contracts signed, getting them in place. They don't, like the CEO is already, Dominic McKay is already designed. If the, yeah. they've decided that Eddie Howe's going to be the manager, if Eddie Howe can join today, but Dominic McKay can't get out of his job until two weeks' time, you don't delay Eddie Howe, you just get him in and knowing that, that all of it's going to fall into place anyway. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. 
Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Stephen, let me ask you a question that might sound peculiar, but who is John Kennedy? Well, what I mean by that is, what, what, what's his profile? Is he an exciting young coach who's worked at every level of football and has now had a, a dabble of managerial experience? Or is he just the last guy playing past the parcel? No, I think he's the first one. Yeah. I think John Kennedy is, is of huge value to someone, whether that's Celtic or going forward, I, I don't know. But I think John Kennedy will make a very good career. To talk about what you've just posed there as well, I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes. That Celtic could excel with a guy of John Kennedy's profile, but with what all Melly's just said as well, it's impossible for now. It's not indelible. It's not like permanent, but it's for now. It's impossible for him to get the stink of this season off because he's just that's not going away anytime soon. But on paper, I think it ticks almost every box. Yes, he's not a big name. He's not like a, a big guy of the um, European experience and all the other things that people think they want the Celtic coach to have mm. but really are unrealistic I think John Kennedy is going to be of huge value to someone It's maybe Are part we of doing the, the right team thing though? Sorry to interrupt because remember we had this conversation before before Brendan Rodgers were appointed and you in particular not me but you and this isn't a criticism of you but you were like just get it to Roy Keane might as well. Remember we were having that and then they yeah, pull Brendan Rodgers out the bag and like Melly says, aye. it really depends who's available. We're saying, maybe we're just not thinking highly enough because we know Celtic have spoken to high-level coaches. So high-level coaches are obviously interested in coming to Celtic. Yeah. So it's a case of, right, well, John Kennedy's there, but, you know, we, we can, he's a good guy. He's maybe a, a, a level D or C level appointment, but we can get an A or an A plus really. Yeah, see, to be honest, just a disclaimer here, I, I I wouldn't speak for anyone, but I assume 
no one here is advocating for John Kennedy no, to get the job. Nobody here is advocating for John Kennedy to get the Celtic job. This is yeah, a thought I, experiment and an interesting discussion yeah, for a podcast. I don't know why I have to give these caveats because everyone because knows Twitter mental, is very there's reasonable. There's shouty bastards out there <laughs> who, think that, who think that because we got invited to a press conference uh, a couple of months ago as a test <laughs> event that we're trying to sell John Kennedy to the Celtic supporters. Now, let me tell you something. If you think we're trying to sell John Kennedy to the Celtic supporters, we've had enough time selling our own Patreon to the Celtic supporters. So we've got <laughs> chance of selling a manager patreon.com slash 20 minute tim's plenty of great content on there check it out 1300 people can't be wrong but uh, join in um <laughs> but what i was about to say on the, the uh, john kennedy's actual qualities his tangible qualities his undeniable cv check marks here mm. it, it ticks all these boxes right so understands the club you know, all that stuff. he's been at every level why is scott brown's experience at the club and knowing what it takes and being able to set the standards why is that valuable but john kennedy's isn't but yeah, you know what I mean by that, right? Yeah. I think I think these different perceptions that fans have are entirely, or not entirely. That that's maybe unreasonable, but largely personality based. So Scott Brown absolutely exudes that leadership. You know, it's busting out of every pore. So people like that see that guy. He sets the standards. He gets it. He he knows what it's what it takes to be at a club like Celtic. Whereas they look at John Kennedy, who's a wee bit bland. Having said that, it's coming out of his shell a wee bit in oh, the last couple it? of days, and I, I am very fighting? much here for it. I've been enjoying that. But they look at John Kennedy, who's a wee bit more measured, than, and they don't see it. They, for some reason, they don't see the value that he probably brings. They, he has been at every level. Is it because he's not a brand he, name? The Celtic fans yeah, want... That's, a, that's what I'm getting at. Uh, yeah. Do they want the brand name and manager? Do we want the supreme hoodie, the supreme leather jacket, instead for Christmas or Mosbot is super dry instead? Is John Kennedy <laughs> the super dry jacket <laughs> as opposed to you know, a, a name brand manager coming in. Is that maybe something to do with it? I'm not sure if Celtic fans want a name. I think we just want a good coach. And yeah, and I suppose you get a name by being a good coach. Yeah, hmm. exactly. I think the, the days of that big name manager are gone. It's like sort of coaches and Celtic, we want somebody that's going to work with the players and make them better. I think John Kennedy could work alongside somebody doing that. I'd love to... I'm enjoying this now because I think John Kennedy's enhancing his reputation a wee bit. I hope he can do that in these two games against Rangers and Celtic fans look at him a bit more fondly because I think he deserves that. This season has tainted his reputation. Looking at it now, it doesn't look like it was all his fault, does it? It looks like he's maybe wanted to make more changes than Neil Lennon was willing to do. So I hope, hope that. I think the, with the manager thing, it's just one of those things where you want something new, you want something fresh. And the problem with appointing John Kennedy as well is there's been a lot of bad decisions made by the board and yeah. appointing John Kennedy might be a good appointment, but it would look like the cheap one as well. And Celtic have been accused of that far too much with mm. Lennon and not getting rid of Lennon. So I think the that's going to go against him as well. Yeah, And I think, look, John Kennedy, Wiley is a, a good coach in that. Celtic can go out there and get better as well. I agree with that. I think Celtic can go yeah. out and get better and we're sort of, I think the John Kennedy thing, interesting discussion as it might be, I think it sort of hark back, harks back to the just go and get Roy Keane from, from when we ended up yeah. appointing Brendan Rodgers. But you said that, Melly, there's two games at Ibrox, cut the big test coming up for Roy Keane. Uh, Nearly said Rocky. There you go. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of big tests for John Kennedy coming up. He knows something. He knows something. I'm just what I'm trying to do is sell you the sell you the John Kennedy thing. So you hate it so much. So when my pal Desmond appoints Roy Keane, you're doing cartwheels in the street. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't Kennedy. Um, 
Look, nothing to fear against Rangers, Stephen. Nothing to fear. I think we're going to battle them. Nothing to fear but fear itself. Mm-hmm. And in this case, that, that really just comes down to Celtic season, Celtic psychology. There is still that lingering doubt in my mind over the, the state of this team. Yes, they can play nice stuff. They're, they're, that's undeniable. They can play nice football. Maybe some concerns over their ruthlessness at times, but you know, I can't complain about that. This week, they've just stuck six past Livingston, a rather stodgy Livingston team. They've got players on form. I just worry sometimes that we've played well against Rangers very recently, but just failed to capitalise on it. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's a kind of... Remember we used to talk about the the Morelos psychological hurdle, like that barrier mm. he used to have where he did, couldn't he score against Celtic? That's all changed now. He's, he's, got, he's got that no, he goal, but we used to he talk didn't about... didn't score against us, mate. No, we just... No, we just... Well, you know, uh, didn't he score against us, mate? Didn't it happen? Let me ask you a question. As far as Rangers winning the league and Morelos scoring against us and not... If a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a noise? No. no did the no, Rangers well, fans... I don't know. It's a, it's, did you, it's a look, weird philosophical debate. Let that, me ask but, you a yeah. question. Did you see Manelos score against us? I didn't see it. Nope. I nope, don't know what you're talking know. about. Officer, Despite say what I said earlier. No face, no case. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> right, so we used to talk about that. We used to talk about the psychological barriers and the hurdles and all that. Maybe just get... This is just my perception. It's maybe just me maybe worried too much based on what I've seen this season. I just maybe worried that they've kind of got that that fear factor against not f- outright fear but there's just a little bit of uncertainty for some reason when they go up to play against Rangers because of, they don't seem to be able to capitalise on the mm, dominance the periods of dominance they've shown I feel the opposite I feel the opposite yeah. I feel that if we are going to lose this game it's because Rangers are are going to just get it strike it lucky because they've no managed to we've got the better of them I think over the last couple of ties we've no managed to capitalise Rangers are probably due another win just the way that the roulette wheel spins on these things a lot of the time I think mm. it might end up like that but I think I think the opposite to Stephen Melly I think this Celtic team will be going at this game feeling you know what we feel more, more like ourselves now we feel more like us more like the team that used to get results against Rangers obviously the, the days of 5-0 and all that annoyingly frustratingly and for reasons I simply can't understand are long long gone but this Celtic team I think will be high on confidence going in this game yeah and I think they should be rightly so because I think they've got got players playing well and players in the right positions just the only thing is James Forrest might might, might make it might not that's a, mm. a bit of a blow but when Stevens talked about the psychological thing I think Celtic can look at this and go look First game against Rangers, we had COVID call-offs, just all that sort of thing. But in the, the other games, we've played well against them, but we've never been pumped off them. We've never no, took an no. absolute pace. And there's no reason to think Celtic cannot win this game because we, we can. We might not, but we can go in there confident, play well. There's no fans there. It's just going to be one of those games where the team that maybe wants it a bit more will get it. And I think Celtic will want this. In the, the previous games, it's been silly things that have cost Celtic the the goals and we've sort of cut that out recently we haven't been get, we've only scored they've scored four goals against us all from set pieces if Celtic can cut that out they're giving themselves a much better chance of getting well we can't get some from this game it doesn't even go to a replay but winning this game if we can sharp shop at uh, set pieces and play with as well better than we have done in the last games because I think Celtic have got another level to go after that we've definitely got a chance in this game well another way for me to look at it then have we reversed it? Are we now the Huns from a couple what? of years ago where we're getting closer and getting closer to actually taking oh, a result? Yeah, Remember yeah. they were as well? Remember we yeah. we were saying at the time, we were like, they're getting closer. The longer this goes on, we're not going to get away with this for as long because remember the the, the, the performances yeah. just started getting closer and closer together to the uh, point where they were getting Ryan draws Jack and then one. all of a sudden they've overtaken us. Are we, are we just there? 
are we just a couple of a couple of performances away from I still just think switching we're the better team. I just again? think we were maybe hampered. I just think we were maybe hampered. Emily, you're right. We've got an extra day now for James Forrest to recover. The game was moved on. Um, they postponed the games here, but as far as I remember, I think all the games in England have not been postponed, which is a weird one. And another thing that was weird was we wore black armbands against Livy because DMX died. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm I know. as big a fan as any, I but think, uh, it does get excessive with these black armbands. Lads, 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 I owe a wee bit of gratitude here. I owe a wee bit of gratitude to old big Philly uh-huh. in the sky now because on Saturday I was due to get my vaccine at half four, meaning I didn't need to leave the game because it kicked off at four and missed the last 15 minutes of the first half. We stroke a luck and I get to oh. see the full game on Sunday. Well, now that, well that's big, that's oh, big Phil in the sky looking down it? on you, smiling. If you were a real fan, you'd turn down that vaccine anyway. I don't. I don't know what the what the debate is here. <laughs> Vaccines are fake, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I how's the five G coverage in your house since you got that vaccine, Melia? Unbelievable. Anyway, look, Prince Philip did die. He died doing what he loved best: dying. And um, <laughs> did you see Rangers put all their flags at half mast? Naturally, they put all their flags at half mast. Celtic obviously haven't. And then some Rangers fan went up to Celtic Park and took pictures of our flags and then went to Ibrox and took pictures of their flags and went look at these these scum they hate everything British they didn't put their flags at half mast honestly I don't know what goes through their heads although I did love particularly Stephen the the Rangers announcing one day before Prince Philip died that they would not be conducting any social media activity yeah, absolutely then, brilliant and then because one of day racism later. and then one day later they had to I love their defensive, or rather the fans' defense of this because we tweeted about it, obviously. And then people are like, oh, you can't read. They said the management and players were going to boycott social media. Oh, congratulations <laughs> on your partial boycott of social media to fight racism. Your partial boycott. So you're boycotting social media apart from your social media team. Bravo, gentlemen. You've really, really struck a really blow buzzing. to the heart. I'm, I'm honestly really pleased to see Rangers as a club and as a supporters and all that take a real stand against racism and um, discrimination. I'm really pleased to see that and long may it continue. And if anyone wants to place bets on how long that's going to continue for, <laughs> um, I'm not sure it'll last to the end of the season, but we will see. Week three of Rangers fighting against racism. Yeah, well, that's some record. Fighting racism <laughs> since March. <laughs> <laughs> Against all forms of discrimination uh, since March 1st, 2021. Did you, did you see they were tweeting about that balloon Drew McIntyre bringing his belt home to Ibrox or something as well? But all this during their anti-racism stance against... So <laughs> That's right, aye. Martin Luther King, Look, a, Stephen, a solemn tear rolled down his cheek. Look, Stephen, racism's important, right? It's not as important as WrestleMania. So <laughs> Very true. You get, get your priorities right, mate, okay? Um... Melly, Mo Elianusi, star of the Livingston game. He's the one to hurt the Huns for me. What was your what was your pick of the goals for his 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 exploits against Livingston though? Oh, the one from outside the box where it just drops to him in that inside inside left position. He just bent it round. That's what I think about when I think about Mo Elianusi. You know, I love him, my boy Mo. I think he's a cracking player, and I really hope Celtic can hang on to him. I think he makes things tick up there, and even when he's not completely involved in the game. He's going to get goals. That's 18 for the season when we've not even played well. He's hardly played in his preferred position. I think a good manager could get so much more out of him and it was great to see him getting a double. And That's another wee mark against John Kennedy. In the previous show, I tipped him to get a hat-trick and John Kennedy took him off when he'd still had plenty of time to get it. So I was a wee bit so disappointed. Stephen, as you'll see, all of Melly's assessments on Celtic players are made on personal feelings. He likes Moy because he <laughs> rhymes it with boy and he doesn't like John Kennedy because he subbed him because he tipped him to get a hat-trick. Um, <laughs> Is Moylan, I say, the best uh, player on the Celtic team at the moment, Stephen? 
Yeah, I would have to say on form, most certainly. Yes. Um, although it's a really odd one, well, you know, see. I don't fully understand it. We've had the discussion about whether we would all sign him going forward or not, so that's not probably not worth having again. But I, I just, for life of me, I can't understand this. There's still the level of uncertainty there is about Elianusi's contribution out there. I mean, he's just said he's got 18 goals for this season. Now, one of them is technically from last season because it was in the semi-final against Aberdeen, right? But mm. even if that counts as last season, it still feeds into the, the greater point that he has been on form for a large part of the season. He scored against Aberdeen around about the same time he'd scored against Milan and his double against Lille. People, when we tweeted about this as well, we tweeted about, look, that's 18 goals for a season, which is as good as any season Lee Griffiths has had for the last five years and people still talk about his goal-scoring exploits, right? So a lot of people were saying, look, it never turns up in big games. Right, okay, but apart from having scored in the semi-final against Aberdeen, the double against Leo, the late winner against Riga that took us through, having salvaged draws against St Johnston, Livingston, a hat-trick against Motherwell in a 4-1 win, hmm. scoring our only goal against Rangers since 2019. <laughs> <laughs> what else has he done? Apart what? from all that, though. Aye. Apart from all that, what, is he, what has he contributed to the season? I, I realise that people will look at those examples and say, ah, but they're not big games, like St Johnston and Motherwell. But the point is, if it wasn't for those goals, then we'd be in an awful lot worse position now than they would be struggling to finish second with Molinus's goals this season. So those are big goals. Those are he's big doing results. A, a, he's doing a lot of heavy lifting this season. He's doing a lot of heavy lifting for this team this season. And I really think he's going to be the one to hurt Rangers um, when we come up against them this weekend. I suppose the big question coming up to the Rangers game is um, what more can the SFA do to help them? Uh, obviously, they postponed their ban <laughs> so those Rangers players could play in the game. God knows why. Aye, I mean, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Um, still, again, they got away with one against Hibs the other day. A, perfect, a perfectly good goal oh. chopped off. From Celtic's point of view, the big question is James Forrest. Um, he's got, as I said, the game's been kicked on, so it gives him another 24 hours to potentially get himself back. He's been good for his melee, hasn't he, since he returned, especially against Livingston. But what do we do if we can't play James Forrest? Oh, he's a difficult one because we've seen this season we don't have a replacement for him. A like-for-like replacement is something that's really shown up Celtic this season. But I think if he's not going to play, you put in Ryan Christie. And while that's not ideal, it does give Celtic a certain amount of flexibility. If you put Ryan Christie out on the right-hand side in the 4-2-3-1, it can easily switch into the 4-4-2 diamond with Christie sitting beside McGregor, Brown behind them, Turnbull ahead, and then Elinus who can join Edward up front. So it does give us that wee bit of flexibility, but I'd love it for James Forrest to be fit because I think he gives us something different. He's more direct. He's Stephen spoke about it in the past, how he can, he's a yardage player. He can take us up the pitch and we don't have any many players that just take on players and he'll do that. He was sort of building up to fitness in that one. I hope it was just a wee bit of cramp or a wee tweak because if it's anything to do the hamstring, with the hamstrings, mm. it's unlikely he'll be fit or he'll even be fit to play the full game. So I think you need a fully fully fit James Forrest for this one because we can't afford any passengers. I'm sorry to be the turd in the punch bowl at the James Forrest welcome home party here, right? But All right. <laughs> right now, James Forrest hopefully we'll play because he's a really good player and having, having him back in the team just provides something we've not had all season he, he scored against Livingston just as he scored against Falkirk both had an element of luck about them but what I would say about his goal against Livingston is yes he kind of sclaffed it in but that's what he was trying to do 
It's not like yeah. it just kind of came off his shin and he went in. He was yeah. trying to put it there. He just didn't connect with it particularly well and it kind of trundled in rather than being placed in. So that that's absolutely fine. But what comes to mind here is that James Forrest never turns up against Rangers at all, mm. right? And uh, I'm, yeah. again, I, I don't want to be so, the mm. I don't want to be that ass. Yeah, well, yeah, twice or something against Brendan Rodgers. Get two goals, two that's winning right. goals against. But, um, I don't want to be that asshole with the acoustic guitar at the party here, right? But I don't want to bring everyone down. But... Oh yeah, you're about to play Wonderwall. <laughs> but I, I, I still remember the absolutely disgraceful performance he put in last season against Rangers. Yeah. I can't remember the specific game, but he was playing on the right with Jeremy Frimpong, and he just he disappeared and just left Frimpong out to dry. That I don't. I know people don't want to hear that because everyone's happy that he's back. But don't get me wrong. I do want him to play against Rangers, but my feelings around it is that he owes us one here. He owes us a big yeah. performance against Rangers if available for selection. It's not as if he's replaced by no, Ryan Christie's got a great record very, against very the Rangers. So. He, well, he's worse. Yeah, he's worse than than Forrest. I know that. That would. That's why I'm very much <laughs> in favour or hoping that Forrest plays. I'm just. I'm just kind of wary about it. Looking at Forrest sideways when it comes to mm. uh, playing he against does, Rangers. You're right, though. I think when you said he owes his one, you're spot on there. Mm. You're spot I just hope he turns up because I think if the team that sets out in the same manner we set out against Livingston, obviously Rangers are the better team. But that positivity, that enthusiasm, that energy, those same players, I think this Celtic team will still, I know I said this last time, but they will still feel that they've not shown Rangers the true them. And they, they, they'll feel... Yeah. I think, Stephen, the whole team will feel like they owe themselves one. We yeah, owe, we owe yeah. ourselves one against Rangers here. We owe, well, we owe them one. We want to leave one in their chin and we cannot have them win this double and we need to beat them at least once this season. Yeah, they, that, that, there's so much up, up, up for grabs here. And the malaise seems to have gone, the dark cloud over, over the team seems to have gone. John Kennedy seems to be pushing the right buttons at training, whatever they are, whatever he's doing, it's, it's the right thing. So I'm, I'm positively, cautiously positive about this game, I'm re- I don't think we've got anything to fear, but that's not the same as saying we're going to go out and going to go out and battle them. No, it's the first time this season I've looked forward to a game against Rangers. Previously, I was like, oh, maybe dreading most of them because I thought we could be ending a real tank in here. I think with this one, if we get beat, it'll be because we just maybe fall a bit short. But I don't think it will be through lack of effort or lack of ideas. I think Celtic will have a plan for this game and they'll go into it and they're going into it on form, which they haven't really had this season at all. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? See if we are underdogs for this game, good. You know, all the pressure's on yeah. them because they're this sort of quasi-undefeated team. They, I know they, they have lost a couple of games, but so far domestically they're mostly unbeaten apart from the St Mirren game. They're, they're trying to have this air of invincibility at them. Time for Celtic to turn up and pop that balloon. You're right. We do not need to pop that balloon. No, we do need... Oh my God. I'm not going to mention <laughs> the Chris Boyd thing. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Don't, yes. I'm not even going to mention it. It's <laughs> brain dead. Brain, he was just thinking, what's the most contrarian thing I can say? Yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to say any more other because if I do, won't he to explain yeah, it? He'll People have won. seen it. Yeah, he, he'll have won. But you're right. There's again this narrative of invincibility in this season is ridiculous. There is no shame in this. They just let Rangers make up whatever they want. 150 years. And Rangers are approaching an invincible season going to at least caveat it by saying the league because it's uh, not the same there's a hierarchy here of things you can do the very top is the invincible treble right presumably it's winning the treble and getting an invincible double right then it's winning the treble and doing invincibility in the league there's like a hierarchy 
of, of the way you can win these trophies. And further down that list is going invincible in the league, but not winning it either cup. But yeah. they're just calling it Rangers Invincible Season. Rangers still in the Invincible Season. It's not an Invincible Season because you play at least four tournaments in a season, sometimes more. Can we? So we need to beat them to kill that chat stone dead, well, to kill it stone dead. A lot of people t- point to Arsenal and say, I but they were invincible. They just won the league going undefeated. Yeah, but that, that happened before. Brendan Rodgers' yeah. team came along and changed those, changed that paradigm. They, they, they went undefeated throughout the, the domestic competitions. The, the domestic situation was Celtic were undefeated. So can I mean, you I'm sure the BBC website... I know, the BBC website even had what can what the Rangers need to do to beat Brendan Rodgers' Invincibles. Uh, Win the treble. Uh, <laughs> They'd already dropped more points. I, 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 so. I know, I, it's just insane. And the, the, the press are just shameless here. I just get the feeling that there's a lot of old boys, old blazer boys <laughs> in this country, very happy about the way things are panning out at the moment. So we need to beat them just to kill that chat stone dead. And on that... We shall wrap up. I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who's joined us on the flagship show. Thank you for all your comments, your retweets. You can support this podcast in a number of ways. You can check it us out on patreon.com slash 20 minute Tims. We do loads and loads of great content on there, podcasts, videos, live shows. We've got some great stuff on Project Rebuild. We're going to be tracking all the Celtic players during the international tournaments. You can support us on there for as little as about £2.50 a month. Other ways you can support us, Tell a pal, leave us a positive review on iTunes or Podcast Addict. Retweet the flagship podcast when it comes out. If you don't want to join the Patreon, there's a million things you can do to support us in other ways. Stephen, would you like to say goodbye? Yes, I would. Goodbye. Melly, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye and God bless. Thank God, Stephen, we avoided one of Melly's terrible, (laughs) unrehearsed, sprung upon his jokes. And on that bombshell, thanks for listening. 